I'm Jack, your host, and this is the Right in the Feels podcast. Whether you're a guy trying to figure out your feels in this crazy, crazy world, or you're a woman trying to solve the puzzle of why men think the way they do, well, this show is for you. This is Right in the Feels. As usual, I'm your host, Jack, and today is going to be a very special episode, a tough one, but I brought on a guest that is perfect for this because I'm comfortable with him and I know he's just a good human being. He's an actor, he's a musician, he's a YouTuber. My amazing friend, Joshua Fu. What's up? Wow, Jack, those are some really nice things you said about me. I appreciate that. And I, I'm really I'm really excited to be on the pod. I, I remember when you were talking about mm. bringing it to life, it's just something I was really excited about. So I'm thankful for you to invite me on today. Of all the people, you've been one of the most supportive. You and Christine, probably on the equal playing field. And that says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys have been so supportive over this journey that I'm, I'm on and I'm embarking. But to give the listeners some insight, we met through Christine because yeah. she was working for Wang Fu Productions years ago. <laughs> Not to date yeah. us, we're we're older now. <laughs> years we ago, it's all good. yeah, we we old. Let's just be honest, we old yeah. now. <laughs> um, not to shame anyone that's older than us, but we old. <laughs> but yeah, we met through those connections, and we've been just really great friends. And now that yeah. you're engaged with Macy, Macy is part of the crew now. Yeah, yeah, and now you're in Atlanta, or oh, you always been in Atlanta, but you kind of had a little spell here in LA, and we got we got yeah. a taste of having Josh in our lives, and you took it away, man. <laughs> you teased yeah. this, and you took it away. <laughs> my heart's always in Atlanta and it's funny because we bonded over basketball and fried chicken Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been the same ever since but yeah I mean it's crazy to think about how long ago that was like what 2013 2014 and it it literally I mean those three years in the west coast felt like a huge chapter of my life in a sense Mm -hmm. that it it was like okay there's before that time and then after that time and that time felt like 10 years almost because of the amazing relationships that were built from it and just the amazing time I had out there. And don't worry, I'll, I'll come back out there. You know, we'll visit out there and you never know. You've, you've visited a couple of times. You've visited yeah, a couple of times. Since we had uh, some hot pot last time we were out there. Yeah, yeah. I love showing you around every time you come back, even though you kind of know the area. But since Macy's not as used to this area or she doesn't visit as much, it's like another yeah. person to kind of show around and enjoy these experiences of L.A. and California. And I'm sure you've sure. taken her all over the place, too, since you, you were here three years. Yeah. It's sure. it's weird to look back because you're right. The time was only three years, but it felt like 10. But you being gone, it hasn't even felt that long because I feel like every time we talk, it's like not a day goes by. It's weird. It's just a weird time time warp. It really is. Time, I, as you get older, time just gets weirder and weirder. Like the concept of time. Because like when you're in school, it's mm. like your time is based around your school year. I remember my fifth grade year, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But when you're older, it's like life events are not the same. It's just weird. It's just like, okay, well, if you think about it, as time goes longer, hours are shorter. You know, it's just like the idea of time is just crazy. So I I agree. I think at at this point, we're just connected. Our souls have known each other for Mm -hmm. a long time. It almost feels like even though it's only been like a few years, it's like, oh, no, it's like we've known each other. I like that. I like the the soul connection. And, I, and the reason why I don't want to bring you on today, because you're such a good soul, Josh. And since you're in Atlanta now and through this pandemic, you've obviously stayed in Atlanta. You haven't traveled out. There's yeah. been a lot of stuff that has gone around, gone on in just the world and also your neck of the woods. And one of them being BLM. And I, I, before we start into that, 
the, the purpose of today's episode is really talking about the Asian hate crimes that has affected the AAPI community. And this is near and dear to our hearts since, of course, we're Asian and it not just affects us, it affects our community and affects our parents and affects all the connections we've made. But I wanted to start off talking about BLM and Georgia and Atlanta because anybody that follows you, you have been kind of on the front lines, really just capturing moments through your photography and just attending protests and being part of kind of the grassroots upswell in bringing this movement to life that has been around for years. But just in the past year, it's been such a eye-opening experience. And I wanted you to kind of elaborate on that a little bit because there is some connection to what we're going through as an Asian community to obviously BLM has has been around for years. The, the struggle of the black community, the African-American community has been well documented you know it's steeped sure. in systemic racism so any i want to give you some give us some insight on just how you've been through that part portion of the year and being active in that yeah to be honest like i mean i appreciate those kind of words but i mean mm-hmm. there's so much more that i could be doing but you know in my mind it's like i'm sick of making excuses about everything that was kind of my myself i was like okay all my life, I've just kind of always been like, oh, you know, it's not my fight or I, I don't want to like intrude. I don't want to in- misinterpret something and do something wrong. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I had to like kind of examine myself and figure out how by being silent or by not doing anything whatsoever, how I was contributing mm-hmm. to the struggle, right? Like con- contributing to the continued problem that is going on with just the inequalities in our society and our in every aspect of life, all the way from the government level to all the way to like just how, you know, African-Americans are seen socially and just like mm-hmm. everything like that. So I, I was very intentional about like taking the time to, of course, I mean, I, I, like not just like jumping in without doing any research, but yeah, really just jumping in and just being like, okay, ask the questions, listen, what can I do? How can I bring my gifts and the things that I love to do and how, and my platform, how can I support the community in that way? And so that's just kind of what I've been doing and trying to do. And like I said, there's so much more that I could have been doing Mm -hmm. and still can do, but at the end of the day, we can't always beat ourselves up for the things we can't, you know, we just have to recognize it and, and change. And and that's the thing. I mean, the most dangerous thing is recognizing it and just being like, whatever. Like Mm -hmm. apathy is a dangerous thing. So I'm just trying to be more intentional about that. But yeah, I mean, I live in the city of Atlanta, Georgia, where Mm. black culture has given us so much. Yeah. And, and, you know, whether sports, music, um, food, everything, if I feel like I can partake in that, but can't help and in any way in the struggle of our black brothers and sisters, then I'm just taking, I'm almost appropriating, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. taking what I want and leaving the rest. Like, I don't care about this. So yeah, that's just kind of been my mindset of, you know, I sh- it should have started way longer. It shouldn't have required somebody dying at the knee yeah. of police officer. But like I said, it's like, we can't start, so we can't continue to feel sorry for us and be paralyzed into not doing anything. We just got to recognize that mm-hmm. we had to make a change and move forward from there. So yeah, you bring up a lot of good points. I think number one is looking inward. There's points in our lives where maybe we're not as attuned or not as aware or informed as we should be. But when the day comes that we are informed, that's when you have to take action. Of course, ignorance is something that 
infects us all, to be honest, to a certain degree, because we all grow up in certain bubbles and it's hard to be always aware of everything. But when big issues come up, especially to do with equality, so systemic racism and stuff like that, to be active and do something, right? And number one is becoming educating yourself to the actual issue. And that takes time. You can't you don't just read a couple articles and you're good. <laughs> it takes right, right. really putting yourself into understanding understanding history, understanding other people's voices that are being affected, and then going to those, whether it's participating in a march or participating in conversations and dialogue. Right. That's the thing that I love that you were putting into action. And it's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect. And it's okay that it's not perfect. But just the action alone is what the movement is about. It's bringing exactly. awareness so other people start to come up to the level that other, these people that have been suffering have been dealing with for years upon years, generations right, upon generations. Right. So I love that you were able to, or you are still doing that, being active. And it just ties into what we're going to bridge this conversation is to the Asian hate crimes that has really ramped up. I mean, it's been ramping up. And to kind of give it context, this been, it's been a year of this pandemic. And in this pandemic, there has been a lot of xenophobia. And sure. to be honest, it's been spurred by government to a certain degree by marking the COVID pandemic virus to Kung flu, the Chinese virus. Uh, I forgot the other phrase that was used, but those things have created a slow burn and not just a slow burn because it has raised exponentially in percentage of Asian hate crimes being committed, but it's come to a head. It's really coming to a head and we're seeing the effects of it. Elderly people are being attacked and dying on the street. And it's a very scary notion, Josh. So just off the bat, I just want to ask you your personal feelings, seeing this kind of play out. Yeah. To be clear, for I personally, luckily, have not gotten anything. But I mean, I think part of it is because we, I live in a pretty diverse community here in Atlanta, in the mm. sense that the city of Atlanta is very liberal and and diverse. It's just once you get like out of the outskirts, and just because we haven't been going out as much, I haven't personally experienced it to the crazy degree. But it's heartbreaking yeah. because it makes me really think about my dad, and then. Especially mm. Macy's mom, she doesn't mm -hmm. speak very good English. Just the fear of like them going anywhere and knowing how physically they can't really protect themselves. And just the idea that I don't know like any moment like something can happen. It's just really scary and heartbreaking. Part of it is they attack our elders because they know mm -hmm. that our elders won't fight back or they mm -hmm. won't. You know, just our culturally, we're about not ruffling the feathers. We're just yeah. like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to do it. And okay, you did this, get, get away from me, please. It's a scary thing. And just to think that this, it's just coming out in, into the light right now, but mm -hmm. you're starting to hear stories of, oh, yeah, that happened to me too, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't think it was a big deal. It's like, what? Like, yeah. there's just so many stories and they under, like, I think a lot of people understand that our culture is very much like that. So they attack us specifically, especially our elders. Mm -hmm. So it's really heartbreaking. And yeah, whenever something else comes up, I'm just like, what can I do? Like, can I go to the grocery store areas where yeah. our elders are and just, can I, can I volunteer my time to drive them and take them? It's, what can I do? You know, that's just the most helpless thing about it because you just don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, Sometimes. right off the bat, seeing the attack on the elderly and in our communities, in our society, 
the two most vulnerable are kids and elderly people. So to see the attacks on elderly people, it's, as you said, it's heart-wrenching, it's heartbreaking because they can't defend themselves. And these are unprompted attacks. It's not like a confrontation. It's literally just elderly people walking on the street and being pushed. And because they're obviously weaker, they cannot suffer a lot of the brunt of these attacks. Like they don't recover many of them. And that it's tough to, to just hear about and watch seeing these videos online. It, I saw some right. of them and it is, I don't, it's, it's, there's anger, there's sadness, there's all this swell of emotion. And, and that's my second question to you. How have you handled the emotional component of it? Because as an Asian community, a lot of us, a lot of the culture is going underground with it. You know, like you don't kind of speak about it. You kind of handle it in closed doors or within these confines. But you personally, how have you emotionally been able to go through this with your mental health? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a mixture of anger and sadness. And mm-hmm. for me, it's not so much a fear for myself, but more so a fear for my my parents who can't communicate yeah. when something is happening. And for me, I've been here long enough to where if I see somebody approaching, I can disarm them with how I speak to them, just yeah. like my understanding the vernacular of mm-hmm. you know the American vernacular and just breaking them down before they can even... Like if I see somebody start to be aggressive, I can, you know, de-escalate yeah. it in a way that my parents can't because they just mm-hmm. don't have the understanding. So it's it's been a wrestling match within myself because a lot of it too is, fortunately, a lot of the attacks have been from teenagers mm-hmm. who are African-American. And so mm-hmm. that's that dichotomy has been such a struggle yeah. because it's like, why are we why is this happening like Mm -hmm. why are we fighting amongst ourselves you know we're supposed to be standing together united and i'm not saying all of it is but i i know there has been also a dangerous narrative where a lot of media is saying hey look at all these black people attacking asians like you guys need to be going against each other which is not what we need right now right Mm -hmm. so it's been a really huge internal struggle in, in that kind of dichotomy like how do i wrestle with this it's just it's just how do i have a conversation when i don't know where it's coming from what's really prompting it like i really don't know what's prompting it and it's just like why are you guys doing this so i think that's the biggest thing all the unknown Mm -hmm. is what's really hard for me to understand because i mean the kung flu thing yes i get that people blame asians for quote unquote spreading the virus but Mm -hmm. to a certain degree once you understand it's not the case mm-hmm. it's just why is it specifically elderly asians it just mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of craziness yeah to look at it, it there's no clear explanation i think it's a ton of variables coming to a head the yeah. economic devastation that the virus has had its impact on societies and communities and especially yeah. in the minority communities where opportunity has not been fruitful just in a normal time versus now in a pandemic so there's a lot of people who are angry who are upset and And just trying to lash out yeah and where do you put that energy onto and sometimes you put it onto the the people that are unfortunately the the people that can't protect themselves and that's the unfortunate part of their society now because there is this upswell of anger and resentment and it's it's hard to put it into words but when we look at the system, systemic racism, it's a it's a system that's created to pit minorities against each other. Exactly. And that's the very problem where as minorities, you know, you and you and I, Josh, when we look at our 
yeah, black brothers and sisters or Latinx or indigenous people, who, all the other ethnicities. We want to band together, but this system has made it very hard because at the end of the day, it's about resources and scarcity. If the system makes it scarce, the resources scarce for us, and we're fighting for those resources amongst ourselves, it doesn't matter. We don't really see the color. We just want to survive. We just want to get our own. And I think that's kind of the underlying thing. And it's hard to explain. Obviously, like I'm not yeah. a historian or I'm it's not... It's a very complex thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard to just narrow it down to one 30-minute conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but to go back to this Asian hate crimes, where, what have you feel like you've, you are able to do in order to kind of bring these, these issues to light? Because sure. there's a lot of factors into it. Media being one, media doesn't really cover our stories. So when these things started happening, they weren't, honestly, they weren't huge headlines. Now they are kind of headlines because there's been so much conversation that's been centered around it. And honestly, big celebrities in the Asian community and other celebrities or other notable people that have finally brought it up that the media started to cover. But initially it wasn't. These stories weren't going around when elderly people were being attacked and died. So as far as a media perspective, what do you think we can do or what do you what is your view on it? I mean, I think continuing to raise awareness mm. is so important to where you just can't ignore it anymore. I think we just have to continue to bring these stories and make them heard. I think the biggest thing is whenever people hear about discrimination against minorities and never think about Asians, they're like, oh, Asians are fine. They got their doctors. They live in nice neighborhoods, like whatever. So yeah. nobody ever wants to give it the time of day. But no, these stories are real. These are happening. Mm-hmm. These are real grandmothers, real real children, real people being attacked and hurt. And I think the thing we have to do is to continue to share voices and stories. I think also having more conversations with people, being mm-hmm. more open to reaching out to people who don't understand you and don't understand your culture. Giving a better understanding of our culture as a whole is huge. And that's why, sadly, Kim's Convenience is ending this season, we just heard. But those types of things shed a light on the inner workings of what the family structure is and Mm. uh, the the respect we have for elders. And just understanding that so many people do things because they don't understand you. They don't understand your culture. They don't understand your people. So they just Mm -hmm. assume it's it's foreign. The whole idea of foreignism, right? Like that's how a lot of society chooses to blacklist people it's like oh look at that foreigner like they're just coming in and no we've been here for generations and generations and you just need to educate the people around you to humanize you i think so many times people are just dehumanized to just stereotypes and and things like that so just being able to um, share about who we are no you you hit it right on the head telling our stories in whatever way whether for example you josh you're an actor you're an asian actor so when you are starring a short starring a film you are in the process of telling a story from an asian perspective or you're an asian person so when people watch you it's going to be from that perspective but beyond that it's as you said it's humanizing our stories because it's easy Mm -hmm. to just look at somebody and take the stereotypes if there's no outlet or there's no way for you to hear about their story or listen to their culture or get starting or participate in a conversation about it but a lot of that is on us now to be able to do that because for for a long time the media wasn't doing that maybe until honestly more recently and you can cite crazy rich asians and obviously some other notable films that have 
begun this movement. But for a long time, that wasn't the case. So it's easy, especially for our parents, that they aren't engaged in, hey, you know what? We need to push ourselves in media and push our stories out that it's become an onus on us to do that. Yeah. And I mean, I think also not only highlighting the things about us, but also highlighting the things that make us similar to a lot of cultures. I know I was listening to a podcast talking about Kim's convenience and how Mm. so many people approach a lot of the creators and they're like, yo, my story with my family was exactly the same way, you know, and we're from Jamaica or we're from, and just like finding those similar things that bring people together. I mean, telling our stories, like more people in the writing room and more people just creating things that, especially from our standpoint, you know, from the creator standpoint, to be able to just be faithful to our stories and not be ashamed of them. I think one thing that we're taught in this Western culture is it has to be this story about this Mm -hmm. person and this thing. And if it's not, it's not going to work. You know, it's not going to be successful. It's not going to make the money. But we've seen now more and more people are really open to those stories. So like being true to your story and being true to telling our experience. Yeah. And uh, sadly, as you said, it, it, a lot of it is about economic viability and yeah. if things sell. But in time, as the community develops, starts to develop its voice, there a marketplace begins to form, which is what Asian Americans yeah. are doing. People of our generation, we're going out to the movie theaters, we're supporting, right. and these stories are coming to light. And as you said, to support other people's stories is equally important. Because if we yeah. see ourselves in these stories, we can only imagine other people need that same thing as we do that aren't heard. So it's like a, it's not an exchange, but it's a sharing process where, yeah. okay, I see myself in you. And you said it's the humanizing part. At the end of the day, we have different cultures when it comes to different ethnicities, right? And that makes it colorful. You know, you see that and you're like, wow, that's awesome. Especially you're in Atlanta, you see the black culture and it's amazing. But at the baseline, what connects us is the human element. Oh, we all are family people. We all care about the people in our communities. We want to uplift it. And that's the baseline, what we all want to do. <laughs> but when we just look at it as a human equality element, then it's for us all at the end of the day. You know, exactly. me helping you is helping me. And not exactly. to look at it in a selfish way, but that's just the truth. Yeah, and so many people and as a top level and they want you to they want you guys to fight for scraps they want you to feel like you have to cut down other people but at the end of the day there's so much to be shared but the perception a lot of times is no i can't support them i have to get mine you know but there is so much to be shared and so much to be you know when we work together and we unite like there's so much to be shared and and all that so that's why like i encourage people if you got a phone you got you got these social media tools speak up you know speak or be open to it and it's not just about speaking it's listening and participating in dialogue because you only will get more nuanced in various things about other people and i want to go back to uh the the asian hate crimes as we've been talking about it is for our community one of the biggest things that you alluded to earlier is a lot of times we don't really report things we don't for example, let's say our parents, right? When they go through things, they don't, they just say, oh, it's fine. You know, like, I'm okay. Let's just leave it. Let's not cause waves. And I want to speak about one quick personal experience. My mom, sure. well, first of all, two, two things that happened to my mom in the past couple of years. She got her home broken into and she got her purse stolen from her while she was sitting in the car. Someone opened the side door while she was in the car and 
snatched it. And she obviously grabbed towards it and got her arm kind of wrangled. But the the point of the story is not just the crime, but afterwards, and I wasn't part of, I wasn't there that day, but she called me and she said, this happened. And I was like, why didn't you report it? And she was like, well, it's already over. But that's the very issue where a lot of our community, we don't report these things. And sadly, being a statistic is actually important in society because even though we fight the being a statistic thing, but statistics matter because it affects policy. If more crimes are reported because they are actually happening, then it will be pushed up in the narrative of media and the narrative of policymakers and people who are voting to be like, hey, this is a problem in these communities. And that's the one thing I kind of wanted to mention. And I'm sure you agree. It's like we need to encourage people to speak up to what is happening to them all the time. It's not even small things that are happening to you that crimes are being committed or hate crimes. It, yeah. it all matters. Yeah, it, it reminds me actually. I So I work with um, a community in our, in our in our city called, it's like Buford Highway area, it's like Doraville. So they are mainly Hispanic and that's where all the Asian food is and like Vietnamese and Chinese, Korean food and a lot of Hispanic food. So I, w- I worked with a community and people who live around there and mm. what they shared with me was so heartbreaking because this is something I didn't know, mm. but they're constantly targeted because people know that they carry cash around. Yeah. And so they'll wait, they're, there's like teams of people that drive from like hours away because they know this is an Asian community, there's gonna be, a, and, and you know, Hispanic community, mm. they know they're not gonna say anything. So they come mm. and they, constantly just wait around at the banks or the the cash like the western unions and they wait for them and they steal from them and they leave or they'll break windows because they know we won't say anything yeah. they know that a lot of people just kind of fear the unknown and like, oh i don't speak english i don't know i don't know if the police are going to help me like wh- what are they going to do for me like i don't think they care about me so you're exactly right to be able to continue to share and like on a political level and and i think you know we're so afraid of the word politics Mm -hmm. um, we are because yeah i mean i understand politics sucks Mm -hmm. because it it taints things but we need to see it as a a tool yes as a way to support our community in a way that you can't always do just without getting involved on the government level because we don't have representation who's making our decisions it's going to be so one-sided and our community is going to get completely ignored and i hate Growing up, I was always the person who's like, oh, I don't need politics in my life. I don't need it. But there, yeah. to a certain extent, you need to know what's going on so that you can help see what needs to be done to make a difference. I was like you growing up. I think I stayed away from politics because yeah. I saw it as it, it seemed like a tool that was divisive. And right. on a low level, it's like, oh, family argues about politics. And you're like, my family trained me not to get involved in those conversations yeah. because it Especially just stirs Taiwanese up politics. exactly it's ve- <laughs> yeah it's very heated man yeah i've seen i mean i've seen video of literally politicians going getting into fist fights and stuff like that yeah, same you know here. i've seen some crazy stuff it's funny can you imagine like watching let's say congress on c-span and then you see just two senators going at it like yeah. it would just be like wild dudes, <laughs> yeah like it's, each other. they're terrible fights though <laughs> yeah yeah just, they're not they're definitely politicians for a reason and not fighters <laughs> but to not get too deep into politics being aware being now that we're older now being aware and yeah. being conscious and being intentional is very important because at the end of the day politics is about representation to have people fight for your cause you need it in politics there's no two ways about it you can't want what you can't want equality and these things in your life to improve if you don't have the right people in place to help push for those things and those people are so important 
That's why becoming educated on who the hell I'm voting for has become paramount in advocating for the things that you represent, your values. And the values come down to very simple things, equality, you know, social justice. That's the baseline. At the very bottom is what we're trying to do. And all the other stuff, yes, we can we can discuss, but that is what we're talking about today. And the hate crimes, it's about that. Are we safe? <laughs> and how do we reach that safety? And not just in our community, but for other communities. And it is local government, overarching government, like the president, Biden, for example, speaking and giving life to these issues and saying like, hey, you know what? These Asian crimes are real and the government has some culpability in it. And that and, that's yeah, reassuring. And, exactly. And but also making sure to keep them accountable for not just saying speaking the speech, yes. but like actually making things happen as well. And it's uh, what a different shade it's been from just a few months ago. Oh, yeah. Just a leadership acknowledging things. Mm -hmm. And not just completely ignoring it and but yeah for sure it's like okay for that's awesome that's the first step now let's continue to push for change there's no easy answers josh there really is no easy answers and it's it's tough it's so hard to see pain and levels of just anguish that people are going through and being affected with not just with COVID, but now with these hate crimes and it, it yeah. provides some light into a lot of what black america has gone through since honestly they were brought over here as slaves and sure. and that's the part where it affects me even more emotionally as i was during blm it's wow if crimes were being crimes have been committed against asians and black people and latin people and indigenous people for a long time and we were able to speak about it more and more now because we have more outlets and we have video exactly. to actually capture these things but, smartphones man <laughs> exactly but so to really tie it in it's we can finally try to come together and i know some of these crimes are being committed minority to minority but yeah. it's consciousness at the end of the day me and you talking it's bringing consciousness to this topic and not to look at it at a terms of what i'm going through but what we're we all are going through relating pain exactly. and that's that's at the end of the day man it, yeah that i hope yeah. from this episode we can kind of relate I don't know. Do you have any kind of final thoughts with what we're talking yeah. about today? I mean, I think, you know, as, as, uh, as hard as it is, um, like you said, there's just, there's steps we can take. Think, mm -hmm. If you're feeling hopeless about it, then don't just sit there, you know, mm -hmm. do, do something about it in the best of your ability. I know it's not, not everyone has the time or the privilege or the, the platform to do, whatever xyz but like find out what that little step is mm -hmm. to kind of make a difference and and whether that's just having that conversation with your um, friend that doesn't understand your culture or or that coworker at work that just always is making fun of asian culture like hey for once don't just laugh at it like yeah. let me let me educate you like why are you making this joke i just mm -hmm. want to let you know that this is a very sacred thing about my culture or this is very offensive to me um, just those little things that steps we can take it will just help us continue to shed light on everything that's happening. It's kind of like when I know you're a big advocate of voting. Every vote counts. Yeah. Every little bit counts. Every little conversation. Every time you For work sure. your mindset to speak up, and it doesn't have to be you have to make this grandstand to be like, hey, I need to fight racism. But in those conversations, yeah. even with your friends that might be ignorant, you're like, hey, let's think about this deeper. Those things freaking matter. They really do. Yeah. And that's why each person is so important. I don't care how small you feel. You are important. You really are. Yeah. You affect just your small group of 
whether it's family or friends, you affect them a lot. And to really take ownership of that is empowering. And also when you do good, you feel you you will reap the benefits in terms of seeing society change. For sure. And I can't wait for society to continue to progress. And as we are, and I know, I think to progress, it feels like sometimes we take three steps back, but overall yeah. overarching, I do think just us talking, Josh, you know, yeah. we, when we met, we weren't talking about this stuff. We weren't. Not at all. <laughs> we didn't we're have this. Fried chicken and basketball. <laughs> I know, but now we're talking about BLM, you know, AAPI, what's happening in the AAPI right. community. And it, mm-hmm. it's all, it all matters. And I, Thank you so much for engaging in this conversation and being so open and honest because you, at the heart of it, that's that's Josh in a nutshell. You're just so honest and forthright, and you are fine not knowing and saying that. <laughs> a lot of people can't yeah. do that. They, they, they're oh, afraid yeah. to say, honestly, I don't know, <laughs> and I'm going to... Yeah. I know that I don't know a lot, <laughs> and Macy can, can concur that I do not know. <laughs> She's probably nodding her head right now. <laughs> yeah, she totally did. She totally just nodded her head. <laughs> So with that said, I do want to encourage people. There's a lot of resources out there, and I think one of them is Stop AAPI Hate, and I I won't Mm -hmm. kind of put too much stuff out there, but if you go on that website, there's a lot of things you can, if you have the resources or the money, you can donate, you can can pledge something. And also, if you want to report some kind of crime or report some kind of incident, you can go on there and report it. So just off the surface or just kind of quickly, just that's, where somewhere you can go immediately it's where it starts um, yeah yeah where it starts reading understanding and the littlest thing to just report that's where it starts just understanding that there is a problem it's a huge starting point you know and the final thing i want to say is first and foremost take care of your mental health it's a difficult time and you can't help others unless you are mentally and physically able to and if you push yourself too much and i get it sometimes we do have to push but if you push yourself too much sometimes there is a breaking point and you need to protect your own health to be able to help others that's always going to be the case so take care of yourself be safe josh and macy you guys be safe out in atlanta we christine i love you you know that um and josh you can find josh i'm only promoting you because you have Pretty amazing stuff on your Instagram. <laughs> Mr. Fu um, on Instagram and Twitter. Everything you said today is always reflected through your words and your art. So thank you, Josh, for coming on. Thank you. Stay safe. And as always, you can follow right in the fields and message me any with anything. If you are concerned or you're alone or you feel like you want someone to talk to, right in the fields podcast on IG. I hope this episode finds you well. And tune in next week. Bye-bye.